Hi and welcome back to the Victim to Victor podcast. My name is Anu and I am your host. In previous podcast episodes, I have spoken about the pre-existing notion of judgment in society. I also reviewed the distressing impression that judgment can leave on a person's mental health. In this podcast episode, I will talk about the unconscious psyche of the abuser. We will learn to understand how individuals can commit such gruesome activities and what human tendencies drive these individuals into adapting such vile dispositions. I am a survivor myself, and despite recovering and procuring a sense of awakening from the trauma, I have always questioned the abuser's motives regarding their choice to pursue such a hideous livelihood. This question irrevocably haunts me, and there are always two sides to the same story. So to understand the abuser's motives in an unbiased manner, one needs to adopt a humanistic approach and dial into this common boundary of humanity. I've made some life-changing observations regarding these behavioural patterns of which I will be sharing with you today. Do you ever question the purpose of life? Do you ever question why, as humans, we have been trained to work unfailingly day in and day out and to tolerate tyrannical and condescending superiors? Why do we give up on our sleep to work so hard and what is the ultimate purpose behind all our actions? The traditionalist answer would be so that we can earn a living or to lead a luxurious life and to nurture ourselves with a comfortable lifestyle, which are often dictated by owning unnecessary colossal houses, expensive cars, extravagant wardrobes and huge jewellery collections. But if we deduct these materialistic achievements, we can conclude that all our actions are motivated by a sense of power and a need for superiority. We desire these materialistic possessions in order to flaunt a wealthy status quo and to gain respect amongst colleagues, therefore boosting our self-esteem. Regrettably, this endless greedy pursuit of power and respect has led to a society dominated by megalomania. As humans, we naturally crave power and control, but part of this hunger originates from societal expectations. However, we are often deprived of power and control as these unrealistic expectations only bring disappointment. When we do actually fail to meet those cliché standards of leading a life of luxuriousness, extravagance and materialism, and when we are treated harshly by our superiors for underperforming, Our ego takes a deep dive. Many people resort to abusive practices to reassert dominance and to retrieve their squandered dignity. By having supremacy over others, we quench our thirst for control and disguise insecurities which we possess. For example, the fear of losing entitlement in society. Occasionally, when we attain a certain competent position as humans, we often let our pride and self-admiration get the better of us. This consumption of our humbleness and equality is what perpetuates abuse and abhorrent acts such as rape, infidelity and other lamentable actions. Once a state of power has been achieved looking down at others who are in more disadvantageous positions to ourselves is not the answer. Concentrating your energy into attaining authority over others is a form of abuse and should be avoided. 
I understand it is difficult to accept and to improve on our weaknesses because as humans, our lives are dominated by our ego and delusions of grandeur. It is easier to blame others for our actions and choose not to accept the consequences. After all, these feelings are essentially just basic human tendencies. But unfortunately, because of this, we choose the easy way out of every situation and some may continue to choose the path of abuse instead of actually learning to refine themselves. But if people choose to work towards overcoming their fears and anxiety, then it is actually possible that eventually they may be motivated by positive emotions such as care and compassion instead of the opposite, which is fear, hatred and anger. They will no longer fixate or act on their evil thoughts and recollections. Unfortunately, we have many human tendencies which can amalgamate and dominate our lifestyles. For example, the need to be the best. The need to support our needs regardless of the consequences. The need for power and control. At the end of the day, our biggest instinct is to survive. And a sense of accomplishment has become a core element of our survival strategy. But regardless, abuse will always be an acceptable behaviour. I've already mentioned numerous details and explanations for the fundamental human behavioural characteristics. But before we move on, let's talk about comparison. The definition of comparison is a consideration or estimate of the similarities between two things or people. Unfortunately, as humans, we are judged daily on generalised idealistic criteria which society has formed, therefore allowing the conflict of comparison to exist within us. We're constantly judging others in order to feel better about ourselves and this harsh, endless cycle of judgment and comparison could be the death of all kindness in humanity. The familiar phrase, trauma leads to trauma, reflects on the damaging impacts and the long-term aberrations that trauma can inflict. In the long run, if someone has been abused or harassed or has witnessed an act of abuse or if they know someone who has experienced horrific abusive acts such as rape, they can often pass on their resentful emotions onto others. Survivors tend to cope with their emotional wounds by seeking revenge or imposition or by inflicting similar trauma acts onto others. Essentially, the motives behind abusive behaviour can range considerably. Occasionally, inflicting abusive behaviour on others can be a cry for help, as they want to be understood and empathised with. Essentially, the people's abusive behaviour is mimicking a pattern of actions that they may have once experienced. Abusive behaviour can be generated to unleash a sense of anguish that is engraved in their cognitive system as a result of their former trauma. As mentioned before, these techniques can never be justified, however they should be understood. The purpose of what I am explaining to you is to gain an insight into the psyche of the perpetrator. In reference to this, the debate which is orchestrating within us is a choice between our ego and our superego. These two psychological terms simply represent the layers of our thinking and our cognitive model. ID is the impulsive element with a spontaneous reaction to extreme sentiments and desires, particularly associated with anger. It is a part of our cognitive system which remains devoid of logic. So in this context, ID draws people into a desire to seek revenge. Essentially, I need to settle the score. Whereas on the other hand, we have our superego, which operates as the moral compass. 
This is the element which incorporates all of our true values and beliefs. It dictates people into reviewing their actions by guilt. Again, in these circumstances, it will encourage people to let go of their lamentable recollections and to impart or project their sufferings onto others, but instead make a difference by not pursuing the path of vengeance and to be a medium of change. This concept is depicted in movies, for example, where animated versions of people are dwindled and dressed in the respective attire of an angel or a devil. They appear on the shoulders and are there to influence decisions, but regardless, it's eventually your own call when it comes down to which path you want to take. You can either take the path of enlightenment or the path of retaliation. This tendency is not specifically aligned to decisions only relating to this matter, but also, metaphorically speaking, we are subjected to this interchange everywhere we look. To do or not to do is the question that we often face as humans. Ironically, despite belonging to the most intelligent species on the planet, we are habitually haunted by this one simple question. With this information, we can address the fact that perpetrators are often attracted to a particular set of people. Those who are self-aware, self-satisfied, free-spirited, those who essentially flourish and those who do not fixate on the negatives are often a target for abusers. Captivated by these impressive and confident personalities, perpetrators begin to design their attacks. Abusers often lack assurance, therefore they are drawn towards capability and those who are comfortable within their own skin. Essentially, their opposing qualities is what draws them in. So why do these characteristics actually draw them in? Perhaps it is because of our human tendency to be envious and humanity's perennial greedy nature to have what others have. Unfortunately, this source of jealousy will ensure that we will never achieve satisfaction or have appreciation of what we already have. By living with this mundane jealous attitude, we can become selfish and begin to prioritise letting others down instead of uplifting ourselves. So the point is, perhaps abusers are the embodiment of jealousy and insecurity and cannot stand those who have a composed and independent nature. Abusers often desire a sense of independence and may be jealous of those who are self-reliant, therefore making them want to actually seize this. Essentially, they believe that achieving independence, or in some cases stripping it from others, can make themselves happy. Is it also um, like snatching another person's food to fill your own stomach? Hence, these are the empowering characteristics and inexcusable reasons that account for the factor related to the multidynamic abuse. Unfortunately, these types of characteristics are often common amongst abusers. Abusers also believe that they are incomplete, which makes them result of abusive behaviour just to achieve a desired feeling of wholeness. They are misguided by this opinion and believe that by enduring horrific discomfort on others, they can confront their own emotional enigmas and eventually feel complete. I'm not implying to a sense of fusion which may be accompanied through sexual intercourse, but instead I'm empathising the attempt at the unity of our souls, which can lead to happiness. This sensation of wholeness is often accompanied by a good sense of self-worth. 
Just like no one wants a pizza with a slice missing, nobody wants to feel insufficient or incomplete. However, as a result of filling that void, many end up experiencing abusive behaviour. As children, we are taught to look for happiness externally. This is an unnecessary narrative created by society's idealistic expectations. We should be taught to look for happiness within ourselves, excluding from our minds the potential judgment from others. If we start to find happiness internally, then there will be no need for the search of the familiar emotion of attention and holiness in others. Although none of these points are acceptable excuses for abusive behaviour, it is important to understand the unabridged picture first before formulating perceptions. If any of us can identify with any of the above mentioned insightful tendencies, we can contribute to terminating this toxic system by making modifications within ourselves and to those around us. While this episode comes to an end, you may want to check out my book, which is now available on audio and where I have shared my journey of evolving through self-help and a determination to cast off my damaging past. My goal is to reach out to fellow survivors of abuse and provide hope and motivation in their lives. I hope that I can help victors transform their lives and achieve amelioration in the process of discovering their true self. I also have a 12-week self-development plan which is free and aims to guide you on your journey to recovery. You can find the link in the description below. Please like this podcast and tag or share it with somebody who you know is going through a similar situation. I will be back with another podcast soon. Until then, take care and stay enlightened.